Welcome to this edition of Hubbard Hall Seen and Solved. I'm Tim Pennington, editor of FinishGameCoding.com. And today we welcome in Scott Pabst, who's the Vice President of Specialty Sales and Business Development at Hubbard Hall. Scott, welcome for joining us today. Oh, thank you, Tim. Thank you for having me. This is Seen and Solved with host Tim Pennington, brought to you by Hubbard Hall. Better results, less chemistry. Let's start off first. Let's let people know a little bit about your background. Why don't you give us a little thumbnail? Then I want to talk about specialty sales, what those all are and, and how in the world uh, business development is going. So tell us a bit about your background a little bit. Great. Well, I've been with Hubbard Hall for uh, over 30 years. Um, started uh, with a company Hubbard Hall acquired called Mitchell Bradford back in 91. And through the, through my throughout my career, I started out in uh, technical service, went to leading our technical service team for a decade or so, you know, moved into the business development arena. Uh, one of the key initiatives, we started up our own uh, kind of with our unused capacity. We started offering toll blending services for some of our strategic partners. And we do that today. And that's been uh, quite a success. And then in the past decade, I more moved into the area of sales management. And now I am the you know the VP of specialty sales and business development, where I really oversee and work with both our business development team and our technical team to really you know identify and meet the needs needs of our customers. Right. So when you talk specialty sales, what give us that worldview? What is that of? What 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 type of things are you working on with that? Well, in, in the world of Hubbard Hall, we have kind of like two halves of our business. The 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 older Original part of the business is uh, more distribu commodity distribution oriented in the New England region of the United States, where you know we're buying in bulk, packing down, and supplying uh, you know a la carte menu uh, to the customers. But on what we call our specialty is where we actually compound with these ingredients and formulate chemistries that can help companies you know in their really fabricated metal market meet their needs. Gotcha. And I, I know business development, you all have, uh, you guys have some partnerships going on with some other entities, but really is it, I guess it's always kind of looking for opportunities who you can work with uh, and also, uh, you know, customers, uh, customers that you can bring on, correct? Correct. It, you know, the, the business development is, you know, of course, every day we're meeting our customer needs, we're making products, delivering it, you know, on a timely fashion when they need it. But part of the business development is getting out into the marketplace trying to identify needs that aren't being met or being underserved and then bringing it back to the team and seeing how can we, you know, develop something to meet those unfulfilled needs. Right. It, it, talking about getting products to customers, let, let's talk a little bit about supply chain and not specifically what you all are doing, but, uh, you know, I'm sure you're talking to a lot of other people in industries and manufacturing. Uh, this was a very big hit for everybody in, in supply chain. I mean, and we'll get to that a little bit because you all weren't, really impacted as much as others. Uh, you, you seem to forecast that, but, but let's talk in general about supply chain. Um, what are you hearing as far as, uh, you know, when, you know, things may get back to normal or, or are they going to get a little bit worse? What do you think? Well, I guess, you know, reading the tea leaves, reading all the people, mm -hmm. the blogs and listening to, you know, the other people that <laughs> know a little more than I do, but my, my, what I'm seeing, feeling, and, and the reality of, you know, it, it's a world marketplace. And, you know, we have the Russia-Ukraine situation, which is, you know, adding to the complexity. 
it, it's, there's been a little bit of softening in the pain uh, coming into the summer, uh, but it's still, uh, you know, demand is uniquely high on durable goods. It's still well above the trend line prior to COVID. And mm -hmm. I think that's what caught everybody by surprise. We thought coming out of COVID, everybody would start spending their money on services. And, you know, everybody would stop going to the Lowe's Home Depot and doing the home projects. <laughs> but they're still doing it at, you know, <laughs> above pre-COVID uh, right. uh, levels. So right now there's, you know, a little bit of, of a softening. You see the gas prices down a little bit at the, at, at the pumps. But I think it is a summer lull. You know, as long as we have the situation in Europe going on, uh, at least a lot of the chemistries that we use, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on some of the raw materials, but, you know, natural gas is a key component to chemicals, and Russia is a big supplier of that. And so as long as that is kind of being restricted uh, going into the winter, if, you know, it's still going on, things could get quite a bit tighter again. Right. Uh, so let's talk, talk specifically about what you all did, because like I said, this hit a lot of companies hard, a lot of suppliers hard. I know in talking to some finishers out there, asking them what were they doing to kind of overcome some of the supply chain. And they said, well, we find another supplier. I mean, we have to, if that's what we need to do. So specifically to Hubbard Hall, what did you, what did you all do in advance or, or try to do or, you know, what was it that you all kind of had put together that really uh, it wasn't so dramatic for you all, wasn't so harmful to some of your customers that you couldn't get the materials? You really, the raw materials you could pretty much get, it seemed like. Well, it, it took a lot of work and, and you know, a, a little backstory on it, you know, just like everybody, you know, pricing tightness started like a year ago, uh, seeing the sharp increases, slowly uh, supply became an issue. And I just recall leaving at Christmas, you know, taking a little time off thinking, you know, the worst was probably behind us because it was such a great increase in pricing last fall, only to come back on the first of the year and see all these price increases and all these letters from suppliers saying we're out of material, we don't. So it was just like eye opening. It was it was somewhat depressing. Right, but right. what we did was immediately saw that you know, the way we had done business sort of prior five years where supply and pricing was relatively flat, uh, we really increased the communication internally. So no longer is it just procurement working with the supply chain. It's bringing in all our product managers who know, you know, about the raw materials, what alternatives are available, and then you know, communicating to them on a more timely manner that, hey, there could be an issue or there's going to be a plant shutdown on a raw material coming up. What do we need to do to, you know, be prepared for that? So we have this weekly team meeting with procurement, all the product managers, uh, sales is represented because the demands of our customers, do we need more or less? Getting that in a timely manner allows us to do better planning. And it even... By doing this, we've identified, you know, uh, risks and we've been sourcing on a worldwide basis, which that what means is what may be short in the United States, you know, maybe more plentiful in South America or somewhere else. So we are buying material, you know, at a premium to assure our customer supply will bring that in. So it's really this pre-planning, this really 
committed effort by the team that's really paying dividends. Mm, right. You know, it's funny in this whole thing, what would, what were, uh, what, what sort of advice would you have given or would you give right now shops that are asking about, uh, you know, um, preparing for supply chain issues? I guess part of it is find, find a supplier who's got the materials that can get it to you. Right. First, but right? even with, you know, with your current supplier, it, could, it is change in demand communicating that, right. uh, you know, if your business is doing well and mm -hmm. you're going to change, you know, you see yourself using more of a certain raw material, the earlier you communicate that to your supplier, the, the better. Because one of the things that's been painful and we, we had a, is when there is a limited supply from a producer or when the, uh, you know, a decrease in the market, many of these producers declare force majeure and then they'll allocate you based on last year's purchases. So if you're anticipating a you know 50% increase in need, well, you're only getting half of what you got last year. So yes, right. communication and then broadening your supply chain is, is what you need to be doing. Right. So it does right. become strategic. Right. And like I said, had you ever seen it hit that fast though? I mean, I mean that, that that's kind of had everybody's head spinning. The, the shortage was one thing, but the, the quickness of it, it seemed like. In uh, the broadness of it. You know, in right. the past, it's not often, but, you know, let's say once a decade, we'll, we'll see pieces of this, but you only see right. that sector. Like right now, the may have seen in the news, the whole worldwide fertilizer market is very mm -hmm. tight. Well, this happened a decade ago where prices doubled, tripled within a year like they have the past year, but within 12 months, it quickly retreated. And right now, we don't see that. We see the you know, rate of increase stabilizing and, and slowing down, but I'm not seeing many of these raw materials, you know, expecting them to be rolled back 12 months anytime soon. Right, right. So let's just repeat that. I mean, it's uh, your, the advice you had is that if you're a shop and you're expecting uh, you're going to need some uh, materials, uh, if you're maybe an increase, it's, it's best to communicate, uh, let people know uh, as soon as possible, because the lead times may be, like you said, a little bit longer, but at least you'll be in that channel of uh, of, of knowing that, uh, you know, telling a supplier you need the materials and when you're going to possibly need them. So that's always, I guess, like you said, communication is key. It on, is on the just key. And, you know, and in, in the past six months, a year, everyone seen on the news, the container ships sitting off of California or sitting off the coast because there's just so much backlog out there and mm -hmm. the demand is so high. Yes, everything takes longer than it did pre-COVID. Right. So let, let's switch to cost now. Let's talk about uh, uh, the term, you know, near near term pricing. Explain to me what that is, and and what what you know, um, applicators and those type of what what they should be knowing about what what that whole uh, phrasing and what that means. Yeah, taking it, uh, I'll take it back to uh, natural gas. I think that mm -hmm. really explains it because natural gas is the building block for so many chemistries: ammonia, nitrogen compounds. Mm -hmm. And if we go back from, you know, let's say five years ago until early 2021, the price of natural gas in U.S. dollars in Europe and North America was fairly on par. You know, we're a little bit sub five dollars mm -hmm. uh, a million BTUs. And then, you know, last summer, things started spiking in Europe, uh, cost like later in the year went up here in North America, where, you know, natural gas 
right now we're at, I think just yesterday, about $9.46 per million BTUs. Mm. But in Europe, we're over $30. Wow. So, wow. so again, pre-COVID, we were on par. Mm-hmm. But what that's doing is that, again, is the building block for ammonia, which is the building block for other chemistries. Well, because of the price being that high, the European like ammonia plants can't compete with a North America producer mm. of chemicals that's based off ammonia. So they have a choice, either produce and lose money or shut down. Well, they're idling these plants. Right. So, right. so it's not because demand isn't there, they're idling. They just can't compete on price. And, you know, and the, you know, the cause of this situation is the Russia Ukraine situation because all the natural gas pretty much being consumed by Russia, the, I mean, Russia, Europe, majority is coming from Russia. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that we can't control, but that is, you know, leading to increased ammonia prices which then increase your nitrogen, your fertilizer mm-hmm. prices, which is a lot of the base stocks for what we are compounding finished goods with. Right, right. And so how does that affect end users' applications? I mean, is it, uh, is, is, or, you know, in terms of, like I said, the near-term pricing, how does it affect them or what should they be knowing? Well, they, they need to know it, it is a broad market. You know, it's not just a producer trying to fatten their margin or, you know, their, their chemical supplier. It, it is a, a supply-based situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that, you know, they do need to change, you know, their budgets. Uh, it's costing more. And I know it is costing pain. Uh, right. I, you know, I've talked to some customers. I do spend a lot of time more than ever trying to educate them and give them the information so they could predict the effect on their goods that they're manufacturing. Uh but in some of them, you know, in some of the automotive industries, it's hard for them to get their customers to pay more. And they're always being squeezed. Yet these costs are real. And mm-hmm. so, it's, you know, having the information to educate, I think, is, is important for our customers to go to their customer because they do need to get more for their goods. Right. Exactly. With that. So now we talked about well, we've kind of depress the our listeners by telling them you know they may not get products and it may be a little bit but but more expensive for that but let, let's take a different tenure because one thing that that hubbard hall has talked about and i've actually seen it and, and explained to me and i get it is you know even though you all are a chemical company one of the things that you're trying to tell people is uh you may not need to use as much chemicals so in, in a broad sense explain what that means because like i said I, i've seen some good examples but i'll let you talk about it of you may not need to use as much chemicals Correct. And, and, and it is a big shift from a, mm-hmm. a corporate, you know, viewpoint is, you know, traditionally, you know, we're trying to sell volume. That is, you know, where we make our money moving goods, whether we're blending them or doing them as the commodity distribution, moving them through, repackaging them and supplying them. But it's realizing, you know, we, we in trying to meet the needs uh, of our customers, uh, that approach is not uh, the way to go long term. You know, many of the uh, chemistries that we sell, we do it in, on the specialty side. A lot of our chemicals are for surface preparation cleaning, mm-hmm. which isn't necessarily a value added step. It's a necessary step. You know, to mm-hmm. give a clean part, get good surface to bond to, 
to, to get performance, but in its own, it doesn't value add. The end consumer isn't paying more for that step. Mm-hmm. So from the customer's perspective, they're always, you know, that's the first place you're looking, trying to drive cost out of the business. So, you know, we're looking at it, how to be a better partner. Then it's also a good steward for the environment, you know, putting stuff, you got to dispose of it when you're done with it down the drain. Well, you know, we're committed to doing our best to help the environment. So to meet the customer needs, do the right things is we're bringing technologies or even just auditing processes to find waste. Every process has waste. And Mm -hmm. that is something that, you know, we have the knowledge, the experience to uncover and give alternatives to it. Uh, I think what it will do, and we are trying to do it, it will though in the future where today or looking backwards, your chemical supplier was selling a good price was all rolled into that pound or drum that you were buying. As we reduce the volume, we'll have to unbundle some of the services that maybe were rolled up in that in the past, where if we get real efficient, well, what you're paying us is insurance to keep your process running and helping you continually exceed uh, your, your requirements. Right. You know, one of the things I see, and, I, and I've heard and talking to some of the people at, at Hubbard Hall that have been out in the field, and actually some finishers as well that talk about it, is you know just you know prescribing a, a certain chemical uh, to a, a, a situation isn't necessarily solving the problem. I, I mean, usually it seems like there's maybe a problem upstream that the applicator might have to take a look at, which I think is what you all do a very good job at. It's taking a look at something and saying, you know, you may not need that step uh, if we do so. If we make if we make a change here. You could go upstream and, and change a couple things, re- remove a chemical, remove a process sometimes, which really, at, at the end, benefits the the applicator, the job shop, the the, the finishing operation. Correct, because no. they've got less steps and they're spending less money. Really, from the you know removing of steps where a pre cleaning operation may take three steps, or you know we have processes in many cases that could take it down to one. You know, it reduces the chemicals needed. It saves on time, saves on rinse water that's going to your waste treatment. And then, as you mentioned, kind of going backwards in a process, you know, this overall focus by Hubbard Hall to help our customers reduce their chemical need. So very often our wastewater team is brought into a wastewater plant where they have a problem that's they're meeting their discharge limits. Mm-hmm. And instead of you know, giving them the right recipe of wastewater chemistries to solve it, you know, our team will actually identify, you could make this change upstream so you're not mm-hmm. sending the contaminant downstream. And we do have, you know, processes uh, to remove some of these contaminants upstream to then again, reduce your chemical need, liability, and so on. Right, it seems like it's more of a holistic look at, at how a, a system is in place. And a lot of it, you know, some of them I'm sure have been there for 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, nothing's changed, right? And they just, they, they've been doing it the same way. And, and it's, I know a lot of the people are averse to change, but really getting a, a new set of eyes on it, like I said, someone from, from your technical team that can come in and kind of look, do the audit, right? And, and, and look at from beginning to end and see where savings can be made, where efficiencies can be improved. It seems like that should be the key of where a lot of shops should be 
and investing their time, right, with with suppliers. Yeah, you know, and that's you know that's also an answer to the question you asked me a little little earlier on how what can we do be doing to help control costs or pricing. Mm-hmm. You see, you set a great example there. How nothing appears to be broke. We're doing it the same way we've done it for 15 years, and everything's working fine. But having yeah, inviting a supplier in, you know, to audit and look for inefficiencies. Things have changed. Like where I mentioned, we could eliminate steps uh, mm-hmm. and drive costs out. You know, that's a, a kind of a freebie to reach out right. to Hubble Hall and let us come in and see if there is something there we could do for you. And then there's, you know, I'll share with you two initiatives that we've been mm-hmm. really over the past 12 months that kind of been demonstrating this. Uh, we have a uh, Aquis Infinity uh, process, which, uses sintered uh, stainless steel membranes to filter out oils out of aqueous cleaners. Mm-hmm. And this technology partnering it with the right chemistry, we're able to recover over 90% of the cleaner when they would typically dump it to waste treatment. And it allows you to run your concentration in the bath at a lower concentration to give you the effective level of cleanliness you need. And overall, the customer could achieve 50% reduction in chemical use. Mm -hmm. So you go back to a tight supply chain. Well, you lower your risk if you don't need as much material day to day. And you Mm -hmm. can use technology to help extend it. And for that theme, we've also done in the past year on the cleaning side of the business, we also supply both aqueous and solvent cleaning chemistries. And that is a unique, not most competitors, either one or other, Hubbard Hall, you know, has the expertise to bring whatever you need to your business. But this past year, late last fall, uh, one of the largest uh, trichloroethylene uh, producers uh, shut down their facility, essentially taking 50 percent of the out of the market. So mm-hmm. it put significant tightness. But what we were able to do is some accounts able to train them on how to analyze their baths, how to stabilize your baths so it lasts longer. It doesn't have to be dumped. So you don't need the same supply that you've used in the past. So we do teach and give our customers ways to, again, extend both aqueous and solid cleaning to you know, minimize that supply chain risk. Right. Yeah. It's funny because I, I, I've worked on a few stories lately about where you all had done that, where people were dumping very frequently. And uh, and, and I know it's a it's a it's a huge operation to shut things down, you know, either bring people in on weekends, could do the dumping and bring it back in and get the lines where, you know, they they could they could get four and five times the, the lifespan of it if by, by not having to dump and and, and make those changes. And, and again, like you said, in it doesn't seem like it's internally that they're figuring this out. It seems like that when you put a fresh set of eyes on a, pro- a, a problem or a, a process, uh, you, you know, somebody from the outside, like said, someone from you all's team, uh, audit team, I, I think it immediately gives back great dividends because they see things, right? And they see things that could probably help that that owner operator probably would not have been aware of. And that's that's I think that's the key to a lot of that, where they do save money, they do save time, and certainly their efficiencies go up. Well, you know, Tim, it's what a lot of customers don't realize or don't think about. They're thinking about the the actual purchase of the chemical, let's say. But what is the total cost of the process? Mm -hmm. So you think in the, you know, in the current supply situation, 
if you don't have the material need on the floor and you have to shut down that process, how many people are you paying for either to sit there or go home? It could be many multiples of the, of the spend of the chemistry. So, you know, it, it's, it's a good insurance policy to look at this. But then also, you know, just productivity. So, again, it's not chemical spend or usage. We've gone into some customers in the past year because demand, demand in the market is up. And they would mm -hmm. just say, if I could only had another line, I could, right. I could print money, you know, by able to take in more work. But you find that maybe a line is down periodically for a couple of days for maintenance. Well, if we could eliminate that cause for maintenance, now you could go out and take in more work on the same piece of equipment you have and, right. and, and, you know, bottom line will benefit from it. So that's another type of conversation that we'll have through a process audit. Right, right. How, how long do those usually last? I mean, it, it seems like you, you, you have a team that kind of goes in and a couple of people look at things and then you, you know, probably go yeah. back and do some things. But yeah, but. It, in most cases, it, it, it may be just, you know, a morning of observing and walking mm -hmm. through, it, it, you know, and, and talking and then coming back. Because a lot of it can be done. You, you need to see the process. But depending on the complexity, a lot of it, it could also through discovery, just talking about the needs and why you do things. So right. there's cascading conversations that part that go with it, that uncover where the best payback is. Gotcha. All right, so let's let's just recap a few things. Let me get ready to sum this up. So, you know, really, you know, with, with supply chain, uh, you know, one of the things you were talking about is, is communicate with your the shop team to communicate with their supplier, communicate, let them know what they're going to be expecting, where their business is going to be growing, uh, so that uh, you know you can start getting getting things lined up to make sure they have the proper uh, supplies, getting them to them. So, communication is key in that. Uh, you also mentioned that with you know near-term pricing and such, uh, you know prices are going to get a little bit. But you know, getting back to what we were talking about with less chemistry, it might be a good time for companies to maybe talk to you all to come in and say, let's take a look at our system. Do I do we really need to be spending as much on chemistry? Can we eliminate? Can we you know, right? I mean, that's what we're talking about is take a that's take a, a fresh look at it, which I, I'm sure a lot of shops haven't done in years or decades with that, but. But then really, like you said, look for better efficiencies. Look for it all. It's almost like the unknown unknown. A lot of people don't know how they can improve unless somebody, um, you know, can kind of point it out to them with that. Exactly. It's just just like your local, you know, electric company giving the free energy like, audit for the house. Yes. <laughs> just see yeah. That. It, yeah, it's uh, it's painful. But it, it, you know, at that point, it's also pretty much going to going to save you some money somewhere and and yeah. and, and then the but, you know besides savings it's going to make you more efficient and especially with shops uh, having a tough time hiring people getting people to stick around you know uh, if you can't hire that second shift then you better optimize what you're doing on the first shift right you better get exactly. it all, all all down with that so well great well, listen this has been a lot of great information uh, and like i said people can uh, who who want to maybe possibly talk to you about doing an audit or looking at their chemistry use you can go to hubbardhall.com and visit you all. But Scott, thanks for taking the time to talk with us. And, and we will do this again, I'm sure. Thank you, Tim. Have a great day. Thanks. Seen and Solved is brought to you by Hubbard Hall. Better results, less chemistry. For more podcasts, go to hubbardhall.com or wherever you get your podcasts.